Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. This week's guest is Alison Canavan. Alison is a UCLA trying mindfulness facilitator from the Seamill Institute of Neuroscience and Human Behavior. She's an award-winning author of the wellness book Mining Mom, a health and wellness coach, a master NLP practitioner, and an international motivational speaker. Having traveled the world as one of Ireland's most successful international models for nearly two decades, in recent years she's devoted her time to her greatest passion, which is the true health and well-being. Alison's primary goal and passion is helping other people to join the dots within their own health and well-being. Alison has a weekly wellness column called Nirvana in the Sunday Independent and a column in Positive Life magazine. She's contributed to numerous publications throughout the years, including the U Magazine, VIP Magazine, The Daily Mail, Pregnancy and Parenting, and many more. She's also a regular contributor to the radio and the TV shows. And without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Alison, welcome to the show. Thank really, you so much for having me. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on. There's so much I want to ask you. And I think the work you're doing right now, is, it's amazing, especially in the world we live in now. There's so much um, mental problems and so on. So I think what you're doing is huge and thank you for doing it. So I guess the first question I have for you is your story. So what is what is your background? How did you get involved with the whole wellness mm. and meditation and stuff like that? How did, how did you become the person you are, mm. I guess? Um, it's interesting since I was a very young girl I've always been a spiritual soul seeker like I was always the person who questioned everything you know even back in school I remember I was doing a talk last week and very interesting it's funny when stories come back to you and I remember being in school and asking the question because I was in a convent and some of the nuns weren't very nice Mm. (laughs) and I remember saying to one of them as I was always putting my hand up and asking a question if God is good and God is really nice And you work for him. Why aren't you nice? (laughs) Needless to say, I didn't get an answer and I got into a lot of trouble. So from a very early age, I was always questioning, why are we here? What is the bigger meaning of life? Um, I've always been very spiritual. I've always been quite psychic. It's something I always hid from the world. Like pretty much until the last, I'd say, year, I hid that part of myself because it it was an aspect of myself that was never spoken about. Um, It's you know, still only something that people are getting comfortable with. Spirituality, connecting with God, connecting with your guides, anything like that still makes people very uncomfortable. And you see people go, oh, that's a whole lot of nonsense. That, you know, that doesn't mean anything. So I think from a very early age, I shut down that part of myself because I was constantly told to be quiet, you know. And unfortunately, our school system is sit down, shut up and be quiet. (laughs) Sit down, shut up, be quiet and do what you're told. Mm. Do not think for yourself on any level because God forbid you might get some power and then you might start answering back, you know, and live your fullest life. So... From if I remember, God, I got into modeling at 15 and I always struggled kind of with the idea of needing to fit in. But no matter where I was in the world, and no matter what I did, I never quite felt like I fit in anywhere. And that goes with that doesn't mean I didn't have fun and I didn't have friends and I didn't feel like I was accepted on some level. But I always felt like I compromised a part of myself, if that makes sense. Mm. So even when I got into modeling, I felt like, you know, I had to party. I had to be the best partier, you know. And with my friends here, I just always felt like I had to put on a different mask all the time. Like I was afraid for people to see who I really was, which is 
to be honest with you, a really sensitive soul. So what happens to sensitive souls is you start struggling with your mental health. You know, you start struggling with anxiety. Things that I never understood was that I was picking up a lot of energy from the outside world. I'm an Mm. empath, you know, so I... I would worry about everybody <laughs> that I see, you know, I'd meet people and I'd worry about them, you know, I kind of that inner wanting to save the world, you know, that that I think I always had that knowing that we're all connected, you know, and I'm very aware of other people's pain and I can feel it. And I think one of the things that empaths and sensitives need to do is understand not to take that on. So, of course, I began, I was medicated at a young age. What do we do? You know, you present with mental health problems. We Mm. have to get rid of them. God forbid, you know, they're trying to tell you something, you know, that it could be information that maybe you're on the wrong path or something you're experiencing in life is off. So maybe you need to sit with it and listen to it. And I remember I started to go to the Buddha Centre in London and... I began to take an interest in meditation. It was all secretive. It was like I was leading the secret life, yeah. <laughs> you know, going to get my tarot cards read and going to psychics and going to a meditation center. Yeah. Like, it's not like it is today. There was certainly no meditation apps. There was absolutely nobody teaching meditation mm. really outside of a Buddha center. I remember, how old would I have been um, when I moved to Winchmore Hill in London? Uh, maybe 18, 19 and yoga was kind of coming in and I went to this yoga class and I remember sitting in the Savasana at the end, which is when you're lying down and they do the breathing. And I remember it kind of woke up a part of me that like, like I started to remember something, mm. started to connect with something that I was like, what is this? What is this space? You know? Who is this? What's speaking to me like in this silence? And that really began a journey of exploration of trying to figure out who I was, why I was here. And that continued through all the craziness of my modeling career. Like there was two parallel lives going on, the party girl, Alison, and then the the spiritual soul seeker, Alison. And they were both happening at the same time, running parallel. So I had an amazing teacher in New York. I remember my friend um, took me to, it was Kadampa Buddhism. And I went into this room and I was so nervous. Mm. And, you know, the first 20 minutes, everybody was meditating. 20 minutes felt like 20 years, you know, (laughs) you're not used to. And I, I was closing my eyes and I felt like everyone could hear my stomach and I felt like everyone could hear me breathing and Mm. I felt like everyone could hear my thoughts. And I remember I kept kind of opening my eyes thinking, are these people really doing this? Like, and they're, they're quiet. Mm. And then this guy called Cadam Mortem started speaking. And I thought, wow, this man helped me make sense of the world. You know, he was speaking to New Yorkers and he was making it relative to things like if you wake up and everything goes wrong and you're late for work and you miss the subway. And I was like, oh my gosh, He's talking to me, you know, I, mm. I get this, like I, I understand him. And I used to go and listen to him twice a week and twice a week I was able to make some sense of my, my place in this world. Mm. And then it was like dropping a Wi-Fi signal. I would keep the connection for a short time, maybe the evening or the next day and then it was gone. And I had no information um, or wherewithal of how to sustain that connection or what that connection was really. And the journey really just grew and grew and grew from there. Various meditation teachers. Um, when I found out I was expecting my son, my, my relationship had broken up. And things like meditation were were literally 
the glue that held me together during times like that. So it's interesting that sometimes we don't know why we practice these things or if they're having any benefit in our life. But I know that all the years of soul searching Mm. really came into play when I felt like my life was falling apart, Mm. you know. And when when did you first begin your first meditation uh, practice? Like who was there anyone who inspired you to uh, meditate? Was there anyone you look up to at the time? Mm. Like what made you, you know, get into in the first place? So it was it was always Buddhist teachings. I was drawn to Buddhist teachings because it helps you to understand the mind. Mm. You know, we really learn about the nature of the mind, our true selves. So Cantamortem in New York was a huge influence on me. And then when I came home to Ireland, I went to the Kadampa Buddha Center here in Dublin for a while and then went down to Dakshinbera, which is a meditation retreat center down in West Cork, which is possibly one of the most stunningly beautiful places on earth. Mm. And I looked up, I was reading a newspaper or a magazine and I saw the name Sagyam Rinpoche. Mm. This man had written a book called The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. And when I was 21, I picked up that book when my dad died. And it helped me to make some sense of death because we're not really brought up in a world where we accept death or we're taught about death. You know, we fear it, quite frankly. Probably, you know, the second thing we're most sure of that we're born and we'll die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yet we've no, we've no education or understanding or emotional kind of understanding around it. And I remember reading this book and even though it's quite a heavy book to get through, you know, it's kind of like every page is like a book in itself. Mm-hmm. It helped me to kind of understand things a little bit better. So when I saw this man's name, I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to Dakshinbera. And it was his summer retreat and it was literally life-changing I it's four and a half hour drive back and I cried for the whole way home not tears of sadness tears of relief I felt like he was kind of breaking open a part of me that I was afraid of you know to Mm. release that deep 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 pain and for the next few years he became one of my greatest teachers and he pushed me and he pushed me quite hard which is the type of teacher I need um, to really go into the depths of my own soul and question everything and sit with myself and face my fears. And he was the one teacher that enabled me to understand that meditation isn't just about bringing happiness, joy and peace into your life. Sure, there's side effects of doing the practice, but it's also about facing the things that you fear the most. You know, facing those things that you're absolutely terrified of, like your shadow side and bringing it to the light and loving the parts of you that you're ashamed of or you feel guilty about or you're not comfortable with. Hmm. And he kind of opened up my world to a whole new way of self-acceptance, you know, accepting all of who you are, you know, because... In this modern well-being world, there's a danger, I think, of it getting very noisy where people are still being drawn away from themselves. Like there's a lot of noise with, you know, products and practices and different things. And I think the only real true path to inner well-being is to spend time with yourself. That doesn't cost any money. That doesn't need all these fancy products. It needs your time. It needs your patience and it needs your compassion. And when you say spending time with yourself, do you Mm. mean purely meditation or just in solitude? So it might be even on a bus ride. Mm. You're not even look. You're just looking at the window. You're not listening to music, podcast, anything. But is is that what you mean? Absolutely. What do you mean by like um, spending time with yourself? So meditation can be in two forms, like mindfulness Mm -hmm. meditation. So it's the formal practice, which is the Google version of you know sitting cross legged. You know, when you Google meditation, it's like um. Mm -hmm. So that's what we call a formal practice. And absolutely, you can have a formal practice every day where you carve out time to sit and meditate in whatever form that takes. But taking small moments often, silence, space, 
you know, can manifest in any way. So for some people, it's connecting with nature. You can sit on the couch and have a cup mm-hmm. of tea. Sitting in the car before the kids come out of school, if you're five minutes early, take that time not to be on your phone, just to sit. Mm-hmm. Perfect example is being on the bus. Take out your earphones and just look out the window and be in your life in and this world. Yeah. yeah, Look at the trees as you're passing. Watch what's going on in the world. It's kind of like... Be here now because your life is being created right now, you know, and we're missing it because we're always worried about the future. And the future doesn't exist. We're living in the now. We're living in it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we're living in the future that we're creating right now. And I think we need to be very careful about falling for all of these kind of the myths that we've been peddled by media, governments, everything is that like we need to be really, really busy to kind of serve any purpose. So the only reason that you're successful in this life is if you work for 16 hours a day and you've no time to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not as busy as the person next to you, you feel less than and just hear people's conversations. You know, you overhear people all the time saying, how are you doing? Oh my God, I'm so busy. And the kids have like five different, you know, activities this evening. And I feel like I'm constantly in the car and then I have to go here and then I have to go there. And you even find people going, and then I have to go for dinner with my sister. And then I have to go for dinner with my friends. And it's like every single part of their life is a labor and a chore. Where's the fun? Did we come here just to labor and chore our way through this life? Or Mm -hmm. did we come here to live? And I think we've lost the art of living. We have removed the joy We've removed the lightness from everything. Everything's very heavy. You know, we wake up in the morning and people worry. From the minute they wake up, they worry. They worry about money, having enough, feeding their kids. And I'm not saying that they're not genuine worries because they absolutely are. And I've had them and I've lived through them. But worry creates more worry. Stress creates more stress. Fear creates more fear. So if you want to change the trajectory of where your life is going, maybe what you're doing is not working because it keeps giving you the same result. (laughs) So maybe you need to shift your mindset. I keep saying to everybody that everything is energy. So we have a saying in life that seeing is believing. And I think we need to move very, very, very far away from that. There's so much happening that we can't see with our physical eyes. Okay. We might be able to sense it. I'm always saying to my son, use your spidey sense. He loves the Avengers. (laughs) And, you know, you have to meet people, including kids where they are. So when he asks me, is something right or wrong for him to do? I'm like, use your spidey sense. And he gets it because he gets it from the TV. And he's, I mm-hmm. said, it's that thing that you can't see, but you just know. And I said, look at when Spider-Man is walking across the bridge. He knew that his enemy was coming up behind him. That's your spidey sense. And we all have that. That's kind of your intuition as well. It's the being aware of what's going on around you. You know, it doesn't mean you have to see it, but feeling it. We live in a feeling world, but we have been indoctrinated into a thinking world. So to live in a feeling world, we need to activate the heart. And this is really, really important. The heart has become a dormant part of who we are. It was shut down the minute we entered the school system. Um, It was shut down the minute we said to an adult, this is how I feel. And they tell you, no, you don't. (laughs) Like how many times have you expressed something to an adult as a kid and said, I really feel like this. And they're like, nope, that's not right. You don't feel like that at all. Mm. So we start to mistrust ourselves. We start to mistrust our heart. And I say to people, if everything is energy and if working with your energy could change your life, where do we start? Hmm. Start in the morning, the minute you open your eyes by connecting and activating your heart. And it sounds so simple, but you have to actually do it and be with it and be in the now and be in the present moment for it to make any difference in your life. And just by placing your hand in your heart and taking a deep breath, you bring the awareness to that part of your body. 
and then you activate that intelligence. Mm. So if you were to say to most people, what does your heart do? They'll say, it pumps blood around your body. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It does. It, that's what it does in its physical form. It pumps blood around the body. So much more than that. So much more than that. Like if I was to say what's the most important organ in your body, I would say the heart, not the mind, not the brain. Because the heart really is your navigation system. That is the intelligence that's telling your DNA, that's telling your central nervous system, that's telling your mind what you truly know inside. So if you want to know what your true divine essence is, your passion and your purpose, your heart is going to lead you in the right direction, Mm. not your mind. Yeah, 100%. And when you say, you know, it is important to do, like be present and aware and so on, but people do have stresses in their life. Mm -hmm. Like I said, they wake up, they worry. And like, there's always going to be problems in our life. I feel like you're never going to get rid of your problems. But how does someone like um, manage like all the problems that they have and also be mindful at the same time? If you know, if you know yeah. what I mean by the question, because so, like they'll be constantly thinking about that thing that they're worrying yeah. about. So how do you overcome that? So we get stuck in cycles. We get stuck right. in cycles that we believe we can't get out of, you mm. know, and we shut down and we become victims. So uh, we become victims of our circumstances and. The truth about it is that when we feed into that victim mentality, uh, we won't get out of it. Mm. So we have to become awareness, I always say, is the first stage, is the agent for change. And it's the first stage on the path to changing your life. But when we become aware of how we're actually showing up and how Mm -hmm. we're living, we are going to see things that aren't very comfortable. So at the first stage, which is awareness, most people go back go back into comfort, what they think is comfort, which is actually suffering and pain. It's kind of a low level suffering and pain. You go back to comfort because you think, God, is that really me? Am I really doing that? Is that really how I'm showing up? Oh, gosh, I don't know where to take the next step, so I'll just go back. When you become aware of how you're showing up, that's your power. That's your power to change. So what I would say when I'm working with people in my clinic is we start first thing in the morning. We start by catching that first thought in the morning. Mm -hmm. So. Everybody always wants to be further along their own path than they are, okay? And we all want somebody or something to fix us now, especially when the pain is almost too much to take, okay? Mm. We present to doctors and therapists and say, please fix me. Give me a pill. Give me something. I am in so much pain and I can't cope. What I say to people is, if there's temporary pain relief that needs to be taken, take it, but also make sure that you are taking steps to understand why am I going through this? Mm. Where did it come from? What is the lesson in this? And it's moment by moment, step by step, moment by moment, choice by choice life that we're creating. So you know the way people are like set set goals for three months down the road or five years down the road. And I'm like, okay, so right. where are those goals being created from? They're being created from the now mm-hmm. in the present moment. And it's a moment by moment, choice by choice life we're creating. So where do we start the minute you open your eyes in the morning? You start to understand that your thoughts create your emotional field and your emotional field is what's attracting the life that's coming Mm. in. Things that happen to you in the outside world are simply a mirror reflection of what's going on in your internal world, okay? And when I say that, people get really annoyed. They get really annoyed because they're like, you're saying that it's my fault, that this person was rude to me in the shop, that this person cut me off in traffic, that this. But it is. It is, (laughs) yes, unfortunately. And the reason why I laugh is because I was the person for 15 years when, when my teachers would call me out and give me a microphone when they're lecturing and I would get so defensive. I mean, I would feel the anger rise up and go, so you're saying it's my fault. (laughs) It's my fault I'm a single mom. It's my fault I'm this. And my teacher would say, every single choice you have made till this moment, your life 
is the product of that. And I'm like, yeah. oh, so you are saying it's my fault. <laughs> it's like just this block. So I never speak to people from a place of lecturing. I speak from a place of experience. I was the person who was completely resistant to change, even though I wanted it. I was the mm. person who was completely resistant to taking personal responsibility. Like as an addict, anybody in addiction, like we're all addicts in some shape or form. We all self-soothe with something external when we're not happy. But as an addict, you're not really taking full responsibility for what's going on, you mm. know, because when you're when you're using something outside of you to escape, there's a part of you inside that's in pain. And that part of you is looking for your attention. OK, mm. and when you don't give it your attention, it's going to start screaming louder. So then okay. you have to go for more pain relief. Does that make sense? Yeah. And how so, do we give it more attention? then? So sit with it. It's the simplicity of being in the present moment which right. is the most terrifying place for a lot of people to be. This is why the epidemic of busyness works well for a lot of people, mm. because it means that I'm too busy to be with myself. Meditation. I couldn't meditate for 10 minutes. Do you know I've got four kids and they all have like 50,000 different things to do? And the truth about the matter is that if you unpack someone's life, you will always make time for what's important to you. Mm. Will you make time to go to the pub and drink for 10 hours on a Friday? You know, you will always make time for what you deem to be important. But if your self-worth and your kind of personal growth, and I always call it like evolution in this world, is not important to you, well, yeah, you absolutely won't have time for that. But from the years of contemplation, and I'm only 41, so I definitely don't know everything and nobody does, I know that how I feel about the world now is that our all of our purpose here is to learn, evolve and grow. The soul is on earth. This is like a really tough school <laughs> for our soul, you know, where we're pushed to the extremes to see, are we going to learn the lessons mm. we came here to learn? I personally believe that we have soul contracts that we come here to, you know, to learn certain lessons that we have decided even before we incarnate into our body. And that's my spiritual belief. A lot of people will go, what is she talking about? That's a load of nonsense. And I always say to people, you know, God is whatever it means to you. I believe it's source, it's the creator, it's the energy that we all come from, which is just unconditional love. You can call it whatever you want, you know, in whatever religion. But I do believe there's something bigger than us is guiding us. You know, there's something bigger than us. And I believe this because of my own life experience. And I tried for 10 years to stop drinking. And I remember one day I just, I, I actually just said, God, if you help me, to get on this path, I promise that every single day of my life from here on in, I will serve you. I will serve you in whatever way that means. I don't have a clue what that means right now. I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. But I promise you this. And it was the easiest journey into sobriety and recovery that I've ever had, even though for 10 years before I'd spent time in AA with the best therapist and rehab and all the other things I did. And I remember when I surrendered that day, I just allowed something bigger than me to take over. You know, we live in a world where we're trying to control everything, everything. And when we feel like we're not in control, we freak out. And the funny thing about it is that we actually don't have much control over a lot of things that we think we have control over. Mm. So the element in the art of surrendering is very, very, very important. You know, it's trusting in something bigger than us. It's trusting in your own guidance system. It's asking for signs and being willing to be led on the path that's right for us. And this is a day by day, moment by moment experience. 
as a human being, you know, and especially mm. now in this time of, I believe, we're, we're waking up um, as a collective. We're waking up, you know. Young people are very different to when I was growing up. There's a sixth sense. There's an inner knowing, you know, and there's a consciousness now that wasn't around before. People are starting to ask questions. People are not okay anymore with being told what to do and what to think. You know, like people now want to think for themselves. That's what I call waking up. Waking up is questioning everything you've been told and not just reading something in a newspaper and going, oh, okay, 5G is good for us because it's going to make our Wi-Fi download faster. Really? Like nobody's questioning the safety of it. Can I see the studies? Like I question everything. Can I see the studies to back this up? You show me the studies and I'll back off. I'm not going to fight with you. I just want to see your safety studies. Oh, there's no safety studies? So you haven't put any safety studies into something that we know harms human biological health. We know this already. So why not improve 4G? Why 5G? Could you give us... I like to touch on the 5G mm. aspect of things because um, like there is there is a lot of benefits to it, but yeah. I, w- I would argue that there is a lot of, like, obviously health and, um, like, is it if you... Health. I mean, plant, if, if, 4G is radio waves, okay? Right. They're much longer waves, okay? So they're longer waves and they eventually ground. So mm. they're still dangerous for human health. And, mm. um, you know, they can still affect our DNA and our biology and there's so many so many studies done on this all you have to do is look it up everything is on the internet you just have to look for it there are so many studies done by some of the best scientists and doctors in the world the difference with 5G is that the masts now have to be very, very, very close together, okay? Um, they're very short waves. They're not radio waves. They're microwaves, mm-hmm. okay? They're different. They're very harmful to human health. We know microwaves are harmful to human health anyway, you mm-hmm. know? We've kind of moved away from using stop microwaving your food. You know, we know it's not that good for us. So we know all of this yeah. on a level. I don't believe that there really is, like, much of a plus to 5G, why not improve 4G? You know, personally, I think my Wi-Fi and everything downloads perfectly and really quickly. You know, I don't think that there's any need for more speed. I mean, how fast do you want it? (laughs) Like, you know. Yeah. But my my only concern is human health, you know, and human health on this planet. Which you're correct about. And also the health of nature. Mm. So it's not just about human health, it's the health of mother nature. And I just think... Once something's presented to me in a very logical, kind of safe manner, I have no problem with it. But I have yet to see any studies or anyone talk about this with any kind of sense. And Mm. I think we're being shut down very quickly and nobody's allowed to ask questions. And when I have written to government about it, I'm being fobbed off to comrade and comrade fobbed off back to the government. And when I can't get clear and concise answers, I start to get suspicious. That's all. I start to get very suspicious. You know, like who's benefiting from the rollout of this? You know, where did the idea come from? All of those type of things. And I just think we need to ask questions. I mean, for me, what I come to now is like, how can I protect my body? So like you go outside, you ground every day, you take things like chlorophyll and um, different food supplements that can help pull the kind of radiation out of your body. So it's kind of time to look at how can I protect myself now? But I think as a collective, we all have a responsibility to each other. You know, to kind of ask more questions that's going to affect us as a collective. I just think for too long we've been silenced and we are very uncomfortable about speaking up. 
we're very uncomfortable about speaking up because we don't want to be an outsider. We don't want to be left out. We don't want to be the person that people points fingers at. For many years, people have said to me, oh, God, Alison, here she goes again. You know, she's going to start asking questions. Or do you always have to start? Or sometimes I've done jobs where people be like, don't start at the end like you usually do. Like clients would say that to me. Like, wow. Don't start. Don't start with those questions like you usually do. Mm. And I'm just like, wow, people are uncomfortable, you know, um, about asking questions that might upset the matrix, upset the narrative, yeah. upset like the their kind of sense of balance. Um, and I think we need to stop living in fear. Really simply, thankfully, the next generation, it looks like, are going to be a little bit more brave in this capacity. They are asking questions and it's important that they keep asking questions and they don't get shut up like mm. we did when we were young. It's really important. Mm. And I'd like to touch on uh, the whole modeling fashion industry because mm. it's been huge. Like you've been at it for like, what, nearly two decades? Oh, 25 years. 25 <laughs> years. Oh, wow. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So 25 years and it's obviously a huge part. Years. So I'd like to ask, like, how did you initially get involved with that? And like, what is your opinion on the current modeling fashion industry? Because like, yeah, I'd be interested to know what it's your thoughts are. It's a beautiful are. industry for personal growth. You know, you'll be tested mm. to your capacity, you know. Uh, and, you know, my days in the modeling industry were incredible on so many levels. Like I got to travel the world. I met phenomenal people. Mm. And then there's the opposite side of it where you're judged solely on what you look like. You know, like they don't really give a shit about what you have to say mm. or who you are or your opinions or anything like that. So it's an industry where certainly when I was young, you you learn to shut up very quickly. You know, your agent runs the show. I was 15 when I entered the industry. I was really, really, really young, you know, naive for the hopes and dreams like so many young girls. And we get lured into this sense of celebrity and everything's going to be wonderful and everything's glamorous and hair and makeup and everything. And the truth about it is, and I always say to young girls, nothing ever looks like it does on TV. Nothing ever looks like it does on TV, you know, and the glamour. Yeah, you do experience going to these great parties and doing these fashion shows. But there's a whole other side of the industry that's very predatory. You know, we didn't have social media when I was young. So people mm. got away with a lot more. Like everyone always right. talks about the good and bad sides of social media. And I'm like, let me tell you, I would have loved if there was mobile phones when mm. I was young in the fashion industry, because there's a lot of people that wouldn't have gotten away with a lot of stuff that they did. So there's good and bad to everything. Yeah. But I think it was a great training ground for me. It was a great training ground for me to to do the kind of work I do today. You know, I always struggled with the narrative of being compared, you know, and the agents would do that. And, and at castings, you do it yourself. Like as human beings, like I remember when I first went to New York and it's like a whole different world and you go into a casting and your number like 100 and something and you have to wait forever and you're sitting and you're looking around the room. And I just remember being so blown away by how beautiful these girls were like it was beauty on another level you know mm. and I was just like oh my god I have never felt so inadequate in my entire life you know like that feeling of what am I doing here you know uh how did I get here you know and am I in any way good enough to to sustain my place kind of in this city so there's a lot of that that happens it's interesting most of the girls I met were the most extraordinary girls, you know, I've ever met. And I'm still friends yeah. with a lot of them, but also the most insecure people I've ever met. It's very rare I've ever come across a model who has really, really good self-confidence. Mm. You know, and people always go, oh, you know, well, poor you. This this is not a kind of a, uh, 
you know, looking for kind of any kind of pity party or anything. It just is what it is. Like when you wake up every day and you're judged solely on like you're measured. Yeah. You're weighed. Your skin is analysed. And uh, that starts to eat into you after a while. Like I remember when I was really young, there was a photographer here in Ireland, I won't name names, and he kept saying, um, minimise your hands, minimise your hands. And I think I was 15 or 16. And I was like, what is he talking about? And he's like, Alison, you have man's hands. They're abnormally big for your body. I was so taken aback, I never said a word. And then I remember somebody else saying to me about something else. And then somebody saying something about your hips. And you try not to let it kind of get in on you. But then I found myself going to castings and doing, um, uh, when you do commercial castings, they say to you, now put up your hands. And I found myself really quickly going, like, so, you know, I'm like, yeah. I don't want them to notice my abnormally big man <laughs> hands. <laughs> like, so yeah. it's interesting that these things do seep in. You know, they do seep in and they do affect us. But I think I'm very blessed to be able to have kind of the insight into the type of things that are going on in the world, you mm. know, into this kind of industry. And to know that there's a whole other world out there and a whole other way to live. I mean, my only thing is that I wish I could show young girls that it's not all it's cracked up to be. Mm. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Like in all of my years of meeting celebrities and famous people, I would say I could put hold on one hand the people I could say were in any way happy when I met them. You know, not needy and looking for validation all the time. Like some of the happiest people I've met have lived the simplest lives. And was that your biggest takeaway from the whole fashion industry? Yeah. Is that, you know, like we might have all the money, the fame, the success, the looks, mm. whatever. But if you're not happy on, on the inside, like yeah. why does it matter? That was my biggest learning and my biggest growth. I was always trying to run away and the fashion industry was a beautiful place to be if yeah. you wanted to do that, you know, because I could keep moving. I wasn't happy in New York, go to Miami, go to LA, go back to London, just mm. keep moving, keep yeah, moving. Yeah, and I, was, yeah, I, yeah. I kept moving because I genuinely thought I would be happier in the next place. I didn't really understand that it was something in, inside of me. There was an emptiness. There was a void inside of me looking for my attention that I was trying to fill. And I was filling it with external things like the wrong relationships, partying, traveling. And then any time I got on my own with myself, I was unhappy. So I was like, what do I do now? <laughs> you can't run away from yourself. You're always with yourself. Yeah. And <laughs> I learned by just observing so many of my friends in the industry who were like multi, multi, multi-millionaires. Like I've met the wealthiest people, I've met the poorest people and the the true wealthy people in this life have inner peace. They're the people that are truly wealthy. That's what an abundant life is. It's being surrounded by good friends, family, good experiences and you only get that by spending time with yourself by understanding that something that you buy or something you become or somewhere that you live is not ever going to bring you happiness until you have that within it's an inside out world I've been saying that for years and years and years that's the true blessing that the fashion industry gave me I know the grass isn't greener because I've been there Right. I've been there. I've lived there. I've been in the industry. I've been around that. I've hung out with the most famous people. I know that the grass isn't always greener. I know that the book stops with you, that there are no excuses, that you create your life moment by moment, choice by choice, beginning now. People always say to me, where would I start? I'm like, right now, right now in this moment, not next Monday, not, not, not next year, not on the 1st of January. It begins right now by asking yourself, how can I show up for myself better today? How do I feel right now? What do I need today so that I can be a little bit better than I was yesterday? So your only competition is yourself, if there's any competition in this world. It's like, how can I build 
on the type of life I had yesterday? Like, how can I nurture and nourish myself a little bit more? Is there something now that I can be grateful for? There's always something to be grateful for. Always something to be grateful for. Like, no matter what's going on in your life, even when things seem to be falling apart. We had Shaman Dirk in Ireland recently and... I remember doing some work with him and I rang him a couple of days later and I said, oh my God, since I did the session with you, my entire life is falling apart. And he just said, okay, stop, stop the nonsense. And he said, there is nothing falling apart. Things are falling away so that your real life can come together. And I just went, oh, wow, wow. that's incredible. And sometimes when things seem to be falling apart, we panic. And what happens when we panic is we go back to our comfort zone, which is where the suffering is, <laughs> which mm. is what got us into the situation and understanding that we want to change our life. So it's kind of like we keep boomeranging back again because we're too afraid to push forward and to push through. Mm. Um, and I always say to people is when you decide that you're going to follow your bliss and you're going to evolve and grow, sometimes you're going to have to leave a lot of stuff behind. Okay. Mm. And mm. this whole narrative of, I hear people say, you know, oh, your your worth is defined by if you have all your friends from your childhood and that means that you're a good person. I mean, this is all nonsense yeah. and noise. And I'm like, if you only have the same friends you've had since your childhood, there's something wrong because it means you're not you're evolving not and growing. You know, you're not moving through the world um, and you're also inhibiting each other from evolving and growing as well. Yeah. <laughs> so. All of these narratives that we've been sold are nonsense and noise, you know, and it's kind of to stop feeding into, oh, but somebody said, if I don't have this in my life or I don't do this, well, then I'm not X, Y and Z. So we need to get rid of all of that because you're the only person that knows what's right for your soul, what's right for your own journey. And I think if you're evolving and growing, you're going to constantly be shedding layers constantly be shedding layers your environment is going to be consistently and constantly changing because that is how we evolve and grow and when we evolve and grow we leave things that are stagnant behind us and that's just part of life and it's one of the most difficult things for people to understand because they want everybody to change and grow with them they want everything to remain the same but yet they want to be happier that's not why we're here it's Hmm. just not why we're here and I'd like to ask you, so like particularly my age people, so tw- people in their 20s, like we don't really know what we want to do with yeah. our lives. And, and that's it's super okay. hard to find out. And it's okay. But how, like, how do we, like you said, follow your bliss? How do we mm. begin following, following our passion, I guess, yeah. following our bliss? Like, how do we find it? Listen. Like, listen, listen to, to yourself. yourself is it? Like, what makes you feel like you're in a flow? Like, when mm. you're when you're fighting with life, That's not your flow, okay? So it's about getting to know yourself. It's about listening to your emotional guidance Mm -hmm. system, okay? So what? break down the word intuition. So in, das, dash, tuition. So where does tuition come from? Tutor. If we actually look at the English language, it's very powerful and how words are broken down. So you are your own teacher and your own guru. The day of teachers and gurus and all of this, it's gone, okay? Of of like praising someone, of following someone, that's all gone because you only know what's best for you. So if you're your own teacher, well, then you need to tutor yourself from within. And that's what the word intuition feels like and, and is. So you need to start listening. So, you know, when uh, people say, I have a tummy ache, I have this, I have that. That's your body. That's your guidance system asking for your attention. That's interesting. Is this just a pain or is my body trying to tell me something? Start listening. Start becoming curious. Mm. Start becoming curious about the different informations that systems you're getting. Ask for signs. I always say this. Have fun. Start having fun with life. 
Start asking yeah. for signs and start listening to them. So there was a great meme that my friend sent me a few weeks ago because we're always laughing about this. And I'm, I'm the sign person, you know, that I'm <laughs> like, oh, just send me one more sign. Just send me one more sign. And there's this meme where it's like your spiritual team are up in heaven and they're looking down on you. And uh, one of them is saying, I sent this sign today. Yeah, she definitely got it. Yeah. Oh, I sent this sign about an hour ago. Oh, she really got that sign. And then the next um, guide says, okay, I'm putting a $5 bet on that she does exactly the opposite. <laughs> so this is kind of like what we do with our life. We're like, yeah, I met that person and she said this. And then I went to this shop and I saw exactly the same thing. And then I read this article and it said this. Okay, God, just send me one more really big sign so I know that this is the right thing for me to do and that's kind of what we're like as human beings so I kind of I always say to people imagine you're playing a game and that life is a game okay and there's two ways to play this game consciously Mm -hmm. or unconsciously so as a 20 year old I wish I had had this information I was playing the game unconsciously getting up, going about my day, hoping that things would turn out okay, but not really understanding that I had any control in how this game was played. The problem with playing the game unconsciously is that the game is actually playing you, okay? So you now become a victim of everything that's happening in the outside world. You're picking up on everybody's energy. You're letting everybody opinions affect you you're picking up your thoughts and ideas from the media from the news from things you read okay so you're not thinking for yourself you're not acting for yourself and you're not making choices for yourself Mm -hmm. when you start to understand that you can consciously play this game now the game changes and you're only ever playing against yourself right okay so you're not playing to to impress anybody else or to look for validation from anybody else this is a game that you're playing solitary okay but it's fun so when you wake up in the morning it's like okay I'm going to tell the universe what kind of day I'm going to have by affirming something like today is a great day. Everything is always working out for me. Placing your hand on your heart, sinking into gratitude. What can I be grateful for right now? You start now telling the universe the kind of experiences you would like mirrored back to you. Every single thing that happens to you, you have the choice how you respond. This is where mindfulness comes into play. You have now the opportunity to step back, take a deep breath, take a pause going, This is interesting. This is happening to me again. Okay, why is this happening to me again? What can I do differently this time so that I have a different outcome? This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying our life is created moment by moment, choice by choice. When you're 20, you're fed the narrative that you have to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life now. Okay? And if you don't know what you're going to do, well, then there's something wrong with you. Because everybody else seems to know where they're going. This is how I felt in school. There was people that knew they wanted to do medicine. They knew they wanted to study business. And I was going, I haven't bloody clue what I want to do with my life. And to be honest with you, the last seven years, I'm 41. Like, I went back and studied nutrition. I was studying it going, yeah, definitely I'm going to use this in my business. But I'm not going to just do nutrition. So where is this going? Mm. Our life unfolds literally as we live it. You know, so to stop worrying so much about... What am I going to become? What's my purpose? And allow it to unfold naturally by just listening to your guidance system. And then it starts to become fun because go wherever it's taking you. Mm. Um, And that's where the fun is with life. That's where your power lies. And that's where freedom lies. And for me, true freedom is listening to your inner guidance system, questioning everything, understanding that you're unbelievably powerful. Every single human being on this, on this planet is incredibly powerful. Our powers have been dulled and turned down 
by our governments, our education system. Because imagine if everybody really knew how truly powerful they were. Imagine the kind of life they'd be co-creating with themselves by playing the game of life consciously. What kind of world would we live in? Now, that kind of world scares governments, but it bloody excites me. It excites me because we'd now be living from a place of unconditional love. We'd be helping each other instead of hindering each other. We'd be collaborating instead of competing. That's the kind of world I want to live in. And it is within our grasp and it is within our control. And it's happening now. We are all waking up. We are all waking up. Consciousness is shifting. It's scaring the people in power. Absolutely. Stop worrying about them. Stop listening to their fears. Start listening to yourself. And your only job on this earth is to look after your energy and your vibration. And if every single one of us did that, we'd be living in a completely different world. If every single person made the effort to live in a vibration and energy of unconditional love every day, imagine what kind of world we'd live in. Because the power of light will always overshadow the darkness. Always, always, always. And we're here to bring the darker aspects of us to the light But we can only do that by understanding that we all have that darkness in us. Does that make sense? And meeting it with love and compassion because we're so hard on ourselves. Every time we fuck up, we really beat up on ourselves. And why am I so stupid? Why did I do that? I can't believe I did that again. You would think I'd understand at this stage. Oh my God, I can't believe I ended up with such a controlling freak for like the fifth time in a row and stayed with him for like five, six, seven years. We live in this perpetual cycle of being so hard on ourselves, And this self-defeating cycle that we're in doesn't get us anywhere. So this is why we need to step back. And When we're teaching people about mindfulness, we're missing very, very important things like if you don't meet the difficult things that arise in you with a sense of love and compassion, it's it's kind of the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. Like we need to exercise that muscle of compassion that we have for other people with ourselves, because that's how we're truly going to learn and grow. Understanding that everybody on this earth is going to screw up all the time. The Dalai Lama screws up. He just doesn't tell you about it. Nobody has this figured out. Nobody has it figured out because that's what we're here to do. But it's about messing up and learning from it or going, isn't that interesting? I went right into that again, made the same mistake. Okay, so let's not try not to do that this time. So it's about being a little bit easier with ourselves and understanding that the life that we're creating is happening right now. And on the way, we're going to hit bumps in the road. So Mm. why do we do things like meditate and practice gratitude and build up our inner resilience and self-worth so that when we do hit those bumps in the road and we do go through those crappy times, we now have a toolbox and we have built up a lot that we can use to help us cope during those difficult times. But if we don't know how to cope in the difficult times, the difficult times become even harder. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to ask you, um, when you, like in the last five years, kind of, like what is the habit that has helped you the most um, to, yeah, do you know what I mean by the question? So like in the last five years, (laughs) just looking back, like what has helped you the most to have the life, Mm. to have the attitude, to have the positivity you have now? is every single solitary day without fail showing up for myself. Right. So every single day, putting meditation, gratitude, journaling if it needs be, connecting with nature, is to to nourish myself because it's not selfish. And we hear this narrative all the time. It's self-care is not selfish. Fill your cup first. It's, it's exhausting and it's boring if people don't truly understand what it means. If you still believe in your heart and your soul, 
that somebody else should come before you, you're not truly going to live your best life, okay? okay? Now, you'll hear moms say, yes, but my children have to come first. My husband has to come first. My parents have to come first. No, they don't. You have to come first. Mm. And when you come first, everybody else benefits. So just because I have created a life where I'm definitely happier than I was and more content and I'm not constantly reaching for alcohol or something to, 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 to self-soothe my pain, mm doesn't mean that I don't have pain and I don't have suffering in my life. But the one thing that I'm not willing to give up every day is carving out the time to work on myself. The first thing that most people would give up in a busy day is meditation, going for a walk, you know, practicing gratitude. They're the things that people don't deem to be important. So they're the first things that get thrown aside when people are busy. It's imperative that you go in, go within Listen to your inner guidance system and nurture and nourish yourself every single solitary day and understand that you are the co-creator of your life and you must, must, must check in. You must, from the first minute you open your eyes in the morning, feel out your energy. This morning, for example, <laughs> I rang my friend and I said, wow, this morning was tough. I don't know what kind of dreams I had. I wake up, I woke up really uncomfortable in my body, mm. like... I didn't have great dreams, but I just woke up feeling irritable and irritated. And it took me a lot longer this morning than it usually does to get on track. I was like, wow, I really had to put a lot of time and effort in. Like I had to do a lot of breathing. I sat on the side of my bed. I did my meditation. I did a heart activation. And I really enjoy doing these things. And what I was doing was I was observing that it took me a long time to pull myself out of the fear mode. I woke up in a really intense fear mode this morning. And I couldn't really remember my dream, but I definitely knew that there was something in my dream that had caused me to wake up in that kind of state. So right. instead of feeding into it, I was like, okay, what can I do to help get myself back on track? And I did it with James this morning at the kitchen table as well, where we did this like protective little prayer and did little affirmations that we do. But some days you have to show up for yourself more than others. You know, and that's really what this life is about. I think the real work in this life is the work you do with yourself. Your job is kind of, you know, something you do to bring uh, in income or whatever. <laughs> but your real work in this life is you. That's right. your real work. That's your soul's work. That's our purpose. That's all of our purpose. If you want to whittle it down, in my opinion, when people say, what's your purpose? Is to figure out what your soul came here to learn. And the only way to do that is to go within. So what is your purpose? To keep learning and growing, you know, to, to try and understand why my soul wanted to come back and what my soul wanted to do. But I truly believe that to serve others, you know, to help people see the light, to help people see the light within them and understand that they are their own teachers. Mm. You know, they are their own gurus. You are the person that you need to be following. <laughs> like we right. talk about following people on social media. I'm like, follow yourself. Follow yourself. Give yourself all the likes. Share all your own stuff. You know, like be that person for yourself because yeah. you're the only person that really knows what resonates with you. I always use the example of oh, I love this. <laughs> if you're at home, right, and you have an idea and you're like, oh, my God, this is such a great idea. OK, <laughs> so say, for example, you, you knew you wanted to do this podcast. OK, so mm -hmm. something in you is like, I really, really want to do this mm. podcast. I know it's the right thing to do. There's a message that I want to get out there to people and. Mm. Um, and this is just part of my purpose, okay? And then you step outside your house and you tell your best friend. And your best friend says, oh, I don't know. Like, there's so many podcasts out there. 
And so many people are trying to do what you do. And then you tell your family and they're like, oh, I don't know. A podcast? I don't know if that's really like part of your purpose. Like I never really thought you were very good at chatting to people or interviewing Mm. people. And all of a sudden, something that you knew for sure within has now been questioned. And now your inner being is wobbling going, gosh, I really thought that I wanted to do this podcast, but now everybody's telling me that maybe I'm not the person to do it. This is what happens all day, every day in the real world. And people very, very rarely trust themselves because every time they open their mouth and share an idea with someone, someone Mm. stamps on it. (laughs) Someone stamps on their dream. Someone tells them it's a really bad idea. Someone tells them that everybody's done it before. Nobody's reinventing the wheel, okay? So let me just say this to everybody. There is very little innovation. There's your way of seeing things. There's my way of seeing things. But nobody's reinventing the wheel, okay? So like nobody's taking anything from you. But what's really important to know is that you need to do it in your own way from your own life experience and the people that are meant to hear it will resonate with how you see it. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And it's really important because we're constantly living in this fear mode of somebody's trying to take something from me. People are doing things to me. People are taking my energy. No one is doing anything to you and no one is taking your energy. That's the first thing you need to know, Mm. okay? So what happens when you tell people that? They go, oh shit, like maybe I'm fully responsible responsible for my life people don't want to be fully responsible for their life they want the government to fix everything for them you know they want other people to tell them what to do like nobody wants to be fully responsible for being in the driving seat you know because when you're there you're vulnerable you're open all of these things but you're actually more vulnerable and open when you're not in the driving seat. And now 100%. we come back to playing the game of life. Yeah. Being a conscious co-creator or an unconscious creator of your life. The game is always being played. Life is a game. So you have to decide, do I want to just wake up and hope that the game goes okay? Some days it will, some days it won't. It's a risk. Or do I want to wake up and do I want to consciously play the game? And then... When the game doesn't go well one day, I sit and I look and I go, okay, what can I learn from today so that I don't make that mistake again with a sense of ease and compassion? Mm. And that's really the aim of the game. Mm. And you mentioned, you know, meditation, gratitude and just having a daily practice. I'm curious in like, what is that daily practice for you? And specifically, how much of your time do you Mm. allocate each day just for yourself whatever that may be. So journaling, mm. meditation. I'm curious to know, like, what is your process in so, the daily practice? <laughs> the busier I am, the more I allocate. Right. Oh, so, really? So, okay. yeah, the busier I am, the more I find I am. I, as soon as I feel myself getting really stressed, mm-hmm. I carve out more time to go and sit and meditate because the more time I learned from one of my wonderful teachers years ago, I learned that the more time you give yourself, the more time you get back. Now, I had to prove this to myself <laughs> because I'm always like, really? That doesn't make sense. And... I remember he he asked that we all meditate for an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening, at which point I had a heart attack. And I was like, oh, my God, are you for real? That's like my entire day. And he said, "Okay, so just do it for me for a couple of weeks. You know, I was coming out of a 10 day silent retreat. So I woke up in the morning and, you know, with great drama, because I can be quite dramatic as well, carved out this hour in the morning and then did it in the evening. And I dramatized it. You know, I felt like a bit of a victim the first week, like I have to do this, you know, so. I'm one of those people who had to prove everything to themselves. And then in week two, it just started to become a bit easier. And I started to notice that I was sleeping a bit easier, but also I was becoming a little bit more efficient during the day, a little bit more creative, a little bit more. And of course, my resistant part was going, oh, shit, maybe he was right. (laughs) You know, gosh, Mm. maybe there is something in this. 
And of course there is, because when you give yourself space, when you fill yourself up, when you step away from the chaotic busyness of life, of course you're going to be more creative because that's actually how the brain works. Like all the studies show is that people that take a break every 45 minutes at work are something like 100 times more productive than Serious? someone that, oh yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's, there's incredible studies done on this epidemic of busyness because... There's people that sit at their desk and eat in front of their computer and don't leave their desk other than to go to the toilet and don't leave work till eight o'clock at night. And they feel like they're, they have this badge of honour. Look at me. I'm amazing. I'm giving so much to my boss. Yeah. I'm brilliant. And the studies show is that if someone came in at nine, took a break every 45 minutes, left their desk and went off for an hour for lunch and left at five, probably gets 10 times more done than the person that's sitting at their desk till eight at night. Because your brain just doesn't work like that. We can't operate like that. You know, we need space. Creativity only arises in silence. So if you're constantly busy and you're working towards burnout, there are no new ideas there. There is no freshness. There is no space. There is no inspiration. None Mm. of that can get in because there's no space. There's there's no room for anything to get in. It's like I keep saying to people, every night before you go to bed, let go of what doesn't serve you because otherwise it builds up as layers, okay? And if you even had a glass of water and it was sitting there all night and you wanted to put fresh water in, you have to empty out the old water to put in fresh water, okay? It's the same thing. You can't attract new opportunities and experiences into your life if you're full of old stagnant stuff. And that's another process and I suppose for me purpose of meditation is to sit with myself in the evening for two minutes or ten minutes, it doesn't matter, and kind of scan through your day and have a look at the great things that happened. But also, if there was difficult things, allow them to come up and go, okay, that's interesting. Our emotions really only want to be seen, okay? They want to be seen, and to be seen, you just allow them to come up and they will pass their energy, okay? The problem comes when we suppress them, when we suppress them and repress them and stuff them down within, Nothing ever goes away, okay, if it's not seen. Everything needs to be seen. Everything needs to come up to heal. So the problem comes when we stuff it all down in us. That's where anxiety and depression comes, okay? It's just not being willing to be with what's happening within. Not having a willingness to, and hoping that it just goes away. But like something you repressed and pushed down from 15 years ago could manifest as a disease physically, mentally 15 years later. You're not going to go, oh, that's from that thing that happened 15 years ago. Like we're, we're not, we're not taught to understand how interconnected everything is, how interconnected every part of us is that if one, if a part of us is out of balance, the other parts are too. Like in Ireland, we have moved so far away from the church. And I'm not saying I agree with how religion is taught because it's taught through fear predominantly, you know, it's not how God operates. But it's interesting that most people don't have any faith in anything and we're seeing it manifest in society, you know, because there's a disconnect from themselves, from each other and from mother nature. If we're mind, body and spirit and we're denying and ignoring a third of who we are, how do we expect there to be any kind of balance? You know, the spiritual side of us is is a huge part of who we are. If energy can never be destroyed, it just changes form. I always ask people the question, where does your essence, this part of you that I'm looking at now, this this energy of being alive, where does that go? Where does that, when it leaves your body, where does it go? If energy can never, like science tells us that. Mm. 
You know, and this is what I always say to people when they, when they don't believe that there's a soul and they don't believe that there's any afterlife and they don't believe there's anything. I'm like, well, where does that go then? Where does it go? Where do you think it goes? You know, so I'm the person that sits and questions this all the time. And I think the most exciting thing about the time we're living in now is science is catching up. Quantum physics is catching up. You know, scientists are, are discovering that like spiritual part of us is real, you know, that uh, consciousness is real. Um, all of these things, they're very, very real. Um, and hopefully now that science is showing us that it's real, people will start believing it too. Because mm. I think it's really important that people start to remember who they are. We're not learning anything. We're remembering who we are. And we're spiritual beings mm. living in this vehicle that's yeah. temporary. Yeah. And what do you think is the difference between religion and spirituality? Religion tells you what to think. Spirituality invites you to come up with the answers for yourself. Very simply. And how do you develop more spirituality within yourself? Listening to yourself. Listen so to it yourself. comes back to the same <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, again. Yeah. It's really frustrating because it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like coming home to yourself. I always say it is a coming home. It's a practice of coming home. If your heart is your home and your heart knows tr- who you truly are, it's a practice of just reconnecting every day and coming home to yourself. And the answers will come. I always say that. That's why people say things like sleep on it. Don't react straight away. You know, mm. give yourself time. Um, we're all just too rushed and too busy and living in the world of instant gratification. But be here now. Be here now. And I keep saying because our, our life is created moment by moment, choice by choice, moment by moment, choice by choice. There's real power in that because it's very freeing to know yeah. that you have the power to change your life right now, right now in this moment. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. And people say, but it does matter because you need to be punished for this. and that. No, it actually doesn't. What you did in the past doesn't define your future, okay? As long as you learned from it, as long as you, you know, opened your heart and you resolved whatever was going on. I mean, obviously, like people would say to me, what about people that murdered people? I'm not justifying anything. When I make, when I create examples, I'm not justifying the bad things that happen in the world, okay? So don't jump there is what people usually do. But what I am saying is you're very powerful and we have the power to change how we're living, how we live, how we show up in the world, and to also make up for whatever mistakes we've made in the past and learn from them. Any human being on this earth who consistently and constantly judges another is judging themselves because there's no human being on this earth that's not making mistakes all the time. Even those of us who wake up with the best of intentions, we're still making mistakes. We're still going to screw up with our kids. We're still not going to do things right. Mm. You know, like nobody knows everything. So like, I hope I'm doing a great job with James, but I know that there's parts of it I'm screwing up. You know, I know that there's maybe parts of it I'm guiding him in the wrong way, but I'm doing the best I can. And once we're doing the best we can, that's good enough. Because Mm. it means we're having a human experience. Mm. And that's really what it's about. It's about easing off ourselves and easing off each other. Gosh, we, we just we're so hard on each other. We're so judgmental towards each other. We're constantly picking things off about people. I mean, all you have to do is watch a TV show and listen to people comment. I mean, what's that program on TV where... They literally sit judging people on TV. What's the name of it? I have no idea. Is oh. it Love Island you're on about? No, God, no. I have no idea. I don't <laughs> like, watch TV shows I remember at all, turning, so I, no I don't watch TV either anymore, but I remember turning it on and going, oh, wow, this is just people <laughs> judging other people. This is really good to yeah. teach people, like in our young people, sit at home with your family and just judge people and put them down for the next hour, hmm. you know? Um, and that's why I'm always saying, be very careful about the narrative that you're pulling in from the matrix, from the world. Be very, yeah. very careful, you know, of the information that you're, 
you're taking into your energetic field. Like that's why I would never wake up in the morning and listen to the news. It doesn't mean I don't know what's going on in the world, but I do not want to be programmed with fear first thing in the morning. That's mm. not how I want my day to be. Yeah. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful of the type of programs you watch because they are affecting your energy and vibration all the time. Be careful if you're constantly getting drawn into negative conversations. Be careful if you're constantly getting drawn into bitching about people because how you speak about others comes back on you. Like this is the one thing that people do not get. Like I'm fascinated with language, language, the language that we speak and words and how much power they have. And if where did the word spelling come from? Because every time you open your mouth, you're casting a spell. That's where the word spelling really? came from. Yeah. Wow. So if you are speaking about other people in a nasty way, you're casting a spell on them. And the thing about how the universe works is that when you cast that spell on someone else, it comes back to you. Mm. It comes back to you. And you will experience all of the negativity that you have wished on them. And the only way to break that spell is to wish health, happiness and unconditional love for the person you've cast a spell on. It's very difficult for people to understand. So your words have power. Your word is your wand. So you literally Use walk along the street and you tell people, I wish you love, yeah, happiness. absolutely. That's and that, we're here. that will come back to yes, you. Yes, 100%. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's the kind of power we have. And that's the kind of power that the powers that be don't want us to know about. Because imagine living in a world of harmony and peace. <laughs> like, how could they control us? How could they indoctrinate us? How could they tell us what to do? How could they, if we all loved each other and we all liked each other and yeah. we all lived in harmony, sure, what <laughs> kind of control or power would they have? Yeah. You know, so power is not the aggressive power that you see from a governmental kind of leadership perspective where someone is shouting and screaming things at you and putting you into the fear mode. Your real power comes from a sense of grace, ease and flow. It's when you're able to stand and just feel that inner balance. That's power. That's your real power. And that is very powerful. You know, to be able to hold that space for yourself and for others, that's where the real power lies. I keep saying to people that we have been taught that love has no power because A, we're trained in unconditional love from birth. If you show up, if you get the right exam marks, if you behave a certain way in a relationship, then I will love you. If you're a good child, then I will love you. If you do these chores, then I will love you. That's not love. That's mm. not love. That's fear and it's conditions. Real love loves every single part of you, even when you screw up. That's what real love is. It's being there for someone no matter what. But it's also understanding that fear and hate in this world are very, very, very well mobilized, which is why we think they have more power. Love is not mobilized because people don't believe it has power. But there's a book I have upstairs called Permanent Peace. And there's been so much research done on this, but it never, ever, ever hits the media. And there's been so many studies done in meditation where if people meditated five minutes a day, we would have world peace. Because that's the kind of, if we're conscious co-creators and we're conscious beings and everything is energy, by meditating and raising the vibration, it would pull everything else up too. And that's why the light always overpowers the darkness. And the darkness is afraid of the light and is afraid of too many people shining their light. And then, of course, what people are afraid to do is shine their own light. They're afraid of their light. They're afraid of their power because we're all attracted to shiny, bright things, aren't we? We all yeah. are. And when you shine your light, you make other people uncomfortable in the beginning. So if there was a group of 20 year olds, group of your friends, right, and you're all kind of into similar things, similar interests, and you feel like you're all at the same level. So you're all 
making each other feel comfortable and then you start to leave college and one person has a great idea and he decides to pursue it and his company gets very successful overnight um, and a lot of you might go oh my god like he thinks he's this I remember when he was just in college with us and he was only x y and z and this is what happens all the time with people so your friend might be very simply just shining his light and pursuing a passion and something that took him on this journey so he now has a choice whether he goes back to you guys and plays small just so he can feel more comfortable and you guys can feel more comfortable or mm. he decides to pursue and keep going. If he decides to pursue and keep going, there's a few stages he might go through like loneliness, isolation, but he will eventually find his feet again. Eventually, what he'll also do to some of you, not all of you, is inspire you to do the same because you'll start to go. Not all of you, I say, because not everybody's going to be evolved at yeah. that level. But some of you will start to go, God, I really admire him. There was a huge risk he took when we were really young. And look at what he's doing now. And look at the kind of life he's created. It's kind of how life works. When other people decide to shine their light, people that used to be friends with them become very uncomfortable and try to take them down. But you have to understand that by shining your light, which is your true purpose on this earth, you give other people the permission to do the same. And when we shine our light really bright, it's 10 times more powerful than any fear or darkness that we're in. And that's what's going to raise the consciousness of humanity. And in the end of the day, save Mother Earth. Mm. No, that's, oh, I feel so happy right now. So <laughs> full of energy just by listening to you. I don't, I don't even know. But um, you, mentioned, you mentioned the books. And I'm just curious to know, is there any books out there that you recommended to others or you gifted to other mm. people perhaps? Is there any books that come to mind? Well, definitely Shaman Dirk's book is coming out in the next couple of weeks. It's here, um, Spirit Hacking. That's mm -hmm. an incredible book for people um, so on reclaiming personal power. There's all the books by uh, Don Neil Donald Walsh and their conversations with God. And I think mm. they're absolutely incredible okay. books for anybody to read. But there's so many different books out there. Um, Gabor Maté is one of my greatest teachers as well. Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, is amazing. That book, The Book of Joy, is just fabulous from the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Again, super simple ideas because what they're teaching is gratitude, presence, being in the moment, laughing, bringing back the lightness, bring back the joy. Everybody's taking everything very, very seriously. Everything's very dense and everything's mm. very heavy. We have forgotten how to play. We have forgotten how to have fun and we've forgotten how to live. So it's time to kind of bring back the joy. You know, that's what I keep saying to people. People are now worried about not doing enough on their to-do list of well-being. I'm like, no, 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 no. We've gone far too far the other way. You know, um, be here now. Get out into nature. Try and laugh a little bit more. Lighten up. Lighten up. Stop taking yourself so seriously. Stop taking everybody else so seriously as well. But I just think with books, I'm inspired by so many people. There's so many people every day. Um, Pema Chodron is a beautiful, beautiful um, Buddhist teacher as well. I absolutely love her work uh, because it's very realistic. You know, she teaches you like being comfortable with uncertainty. All the things that we're going through in our day-to-day -day lives every way, uh, anyway. What I do love about Shaman Durek's new book is that he actually gives us the tools to kind of spirit hack every day of like reclaiming our personal power, how to protect our energy field, you know, how to how to show up without having fear, how to listen to our own authentic voice and not be pulled away so quickly by everything outside of us. One thing I know for sure is that if you don't work on yourself, the world will work on you because as soon as you step outside your front door every day, the world does not support you working on yourself. So you have to do that for yourself. That has to be a priority and it has to be a priority every single day 
every single day. There's not like people say to me, but you still have to do it every single day, even though it's like, oh my gosh, yes, I have to do it every single day. Because I know what it's like to live in hell for 20 years and I'm not going back there. So my priority is to sustain this life that I currently love living and love feeling this way and feel very free. And I wouldn't give up that for anything. Nothing in the world could make me go back to the way things used to be. But it doesn't mean that I can just lie on the couch and go, yeah, all the work is done now. I'm just going to put my feet up. It doesn't work like that. And like, I can only imagine that you don't feel like this every day. Maybe you oh, do. Oh, yeah, no. But I'm curious to know, like, what do you do like, um, when you feel overwhelmed, just particularly unfocused or just unsure of what to do next? Like, what is your process in dealing with that? So listening to it. Listen so to it. it's, it's okay. all kind of listening yeah. yeah like it's okay maybe like at the weekend I was really tired and I got into mm. bed on Saturday at like three o'clock or something and it's okay to do that sometimes you know right. we feel guilty about everything we feel guilty about taking naps we feel guilty about taking time off work we feel guilty if we're not you know entertaining the kids all weekend mm. listening to that you know I feel overwhelmed therefore I'm of no use to anyone until I give to myself so maybe I need to take the day off maybe I need to take the afternoon off if I'm having a particularly shitty day I lie in bed that night and go thank god I got through it tomorrow is a new day like you know what I mean like I got there like uh, there was a time a couple of weeks ago when we were on the way up to vitality and I just felt very overwhelmed and literally every night for about a week I just went oh Jesus I made it thank you thank you I made it and every night was just so grateful to be in bed but I don't feel bad about that now you know I'm like I know I'm a human and the next day I wake up and go okay fresh start new day Mm. let's give it everything you've got again it doesn't mean that you're guaranteed a good day and this is the mistake I used to make in the beginning because I'd get up I'd do my meditation I'd write my gratitude journal and then if I had a bad day I'd be really pissed off at myself I'd be like oh my god I just got up and meditated this morning and practiced gratitude and then I had a bad day and when I realized it was all self-defeating you know I was giving out to myself because I wasn't having this perfect life because I was meditating, it doesn't exist. Like that doesn't exist. But what does exist is being okay now, is being content. Like even when I'm having a bad day, I can still feel content. And some Mm. people don't understand that. It's like, I'm still content within, you know, I'm still willing to go there and go, okay, so what's going on? What needs to be changed? And very often, if I'm really struggling, I know that the universe is trying to tell me something that like really big. You're on the wrong path. This is not the right way for you to be going. This is not the right idea to be pursuing. So stop fighting. Yeah. You know, stop fighting with life. Stop getting up every day and going and swimming against the stream. You know, we're not meant to be fighting with life. We're meant to be flowing with life. So now I know that if something is a battle, I've had many great business ideas and everything seems to be going well in the beginning and we sit and we get people on board and the the idea starts and then everything starts to go wrong. And I feel like I'm waking up every day and I'm fighting with the idea. And it's very tough when you've put months and months of work into something and it's happened to me a few times to have to hold up my hands and go, guys, this is not working. I thought it was an amazing idea. I thought it was going to go somewhere. And I know I've put loads of money, energy and time in, but I'm going to have to let it go. And that's hard. It's hard and it's tough and it's not easy, but it's like, were there signs earlier on that this wasn't going well? Yeah, of course there were, but I just decided to push through anyway. That's happened to me loads of times. Sometimes we persevere and we stick with things and this includes relationships. 
you know, even when we're not happy, just because we put time and energy and effort in, or I've been with someone for six years, so I have to stick it out now. You know, even if I'm miserable and unhappy and we don't really speak and we don't really communicate anymore. And, you know, but so we we do and we stay in things in life because we've either been taught that we have to because we've worked so hard. You know, it's like people come to me and they say, I want to give up my job. But as soon as I mentioned it to my husband or my parents, they went absolutely nuts and said, how dare you? You know, you've been working in the company for years. You've got you've got responsibilities. You've got responsibilities to your family. It's like, yeah, you do. But you also have a responsibility to yourself. Mm. And if you're miserable and unhappy and waking up and going to a job every day you hate, are you really going to be of that much use to your family, to your husband, to your kids? Because you're not going to be happy. And that energy is going to be picked up on from everybody around you. So it's questioning the narrative that we've been indoctrinated with all the time. All the time. Like question everything. Where did I pick that up? How do I know it's true? Did somebody tell me that that was right for me? Or do I know in my heart that's right for me? And when you start to ask these type of questions to yourself, everything changes. Because very often you'll find... Oh, I don't even know where I picked that up. I just must have picked it up somewhere, maybe in school. I actually don't even know if it's true. Mm. <laughs> I never I never asked. I never questioned. I don't isn't that interesting? I don't even know if this is true. I just decided it was you true just, yeah. somewhere along yeah. the line. Um, and this is where the fun begins. Because when you start to question stuff and you start to research stuff, you go, Oh, actually, gosh, that's not true at all. Or I don't agree with that. You know, so and this is the same thing what's happening with the environment now, with 5G, with everything. It's like, do your research, do your research. Just don't follow along blindly. You know, find out what can you do every day in your life that will make a difference because that really is your role. You know, stop, stop getting involved in the noise. It's, you know, when I break things down for people, I'm like, oh, right. OK, so where did you hear that from? Oh, I saw it on the news. Uh huh. And then after that, you researched it. Oh, I don't know. I've never researched anything. I never looked it up. Mm. Why not? Because I trust the government. Because I trust the doctors. Because I trust this. Because I trust that. Interesting. So you never decided to go and find out for yourself. You just take every single thing that everybody says as gospel. Mm. Therein lies the problem with the current state of humanity. The end. Yeah. Well, Alison, look, I know you're super busy. But I have one more question sure. for you. <laughs> so let's just say you achieved all the success you ever wanted. You wrote all the books you wanted to have. You met all the people you wanted to meet. Um, you raised your son the way you wanted to raise him. Everything you wanted, you, you, you made it happen. But for some reason, everything you created has to go. It just has mm. to disappear. And the only things that remain on this planet Earth are the three truths mm -hmm. that you leave behind. And I'm curious to know, what are those three truths for you? What are the lessons the truths that you believe are true uh unconditional love is all there is that's the greatest currency that we have is unconditional love and out of that everything else is born um all of those things interestingly i'd be able to let go very easily very very easily um i would i have really i've learned over the years to have no attachment to anything not to everything but to most things um to know that we're doing our bests and we're human beings would be the second thing that I would say to people. You're doing your best, you know, learn, evolve and grow. And the third thing, let me think. Gosh. What would be the third thing I would leave? Well, do you mean like a legacy or when I'm gone? I guess it's a legacy. Yeah. yeah. Like that's that's those are the only yeah. things that remain. So definitely unconditional love to know that you've got this. Um. 
and that nothing matters but you. And I know that that sounds like to a lot of people to be a very selfish statement. But when you know that you matter, you know that everything else matters too. And it's really important. Hmm. Well, Alison, it was a pleasure talking to you. I would literally talk about this for 12 (laughs) hours at a time, but I know you have a busy schedule. But before we finish up, is there anything out there that you'd like to mention at all to the listeners? Anything you'd like to promote? Anything at all? Yeah, no, everything's on my website, alisoncanavan.com. I do talks a lot and workshops and different things. And uh, yeah, come follow me on um, Instagram, alisoncanavanwellness. Be great. Alison, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it'd be pretty cool if you shared it with your friends or anyone else who you think would benefit from it. You can find all the show notes by going to the website chasingpassion.e. That is chasingpassion.e. Thank you for listening today and I hope you enjoyed the episode.